As we um, return to our seats, let me speak just kind of where we are. We're in a small series on Proverbs, Proverbs being an Old Testament book written by King Solomon, who's said to be the wisest person to have ever lived. And so we looked last week at the tongue, and uh, John Stevenson discussed what it looks like to wisely use your tongue. Um, This morning, we're going to just look at what wisdom is, just wisdom in general, and and kind of what does the Proverbs say about wisdom. And then next week, we're going to take a deep dive in humility, and what does Proverbs unpack about humility. Uh, One of the things that you'll see even today is the inner working between humility and wisdom. You you can't have one with the the other. And so uh, I think those are probably two of the most prominent themes. What is wisdom and humility? And so we're going to look at that for the next two weeks. I I want us to be a people who are considered wise and not foolish. And so what better place to go than the, the book of wisdom? The Proverbs of Solomon, which are just pithy sayings of wisdom. So what we're going to do this morning is I'm, I'm, I'm going to take three different sections of the book of Proverbs. Some of you have studied the book of Proverbs before, and it's kind of a complicated because it doesn't seem like there's a lot of coherence between the whole thing. But if you, if you just from a big picture perspective, the first nine chapters are a little bit more, more cohesive, whereas chapters 10 through 29 are just statements after statements after statements after statements. And so I'm gonna take three chapters from the first nine. There's a lot more coherence in those. And we're gonna unpack what wisdom is from these three chapters. So you have it in your bulletin. It's probably gonna be easier just to look on your bulletin rather than your Bibles, even though I I always encourage you to have your Bibles. I mean, it's not gonna be a lot of flipping if you do have your Bible, but um, it's easiest probably just to look in your bulletin. So here now the reading of God's word from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter one, one through seven. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now Proverbs chapter two, we're gonna read one through 10, but we're gonna focus primarily on verses one through six, but I'm gonna read those first 10 verses. My son, If you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Now finally, Proverbs 3, verses 13 through 18. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one 
who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who laid hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. Yoda and Mr. Miyagi. My guess is they are two of the wisest people that you've ever come into contact with. Yes, that's right. Yoda and Mr. Miyagi. Now, Yoda's wisdom was an invaluable resource for Luke Skywalker in his triumph over the evil empire in Star Wars. And we revere Yoda for statements like this. Do or do not. And I'm not going to do the voice. I'm not. <laughs> do or do not. There is no try. Or you must unlearn what you have learned. And I love this one. The greatest teacher failure is. I love that. It's good, good, good job, Yoda. Let's think about Mr. Miyagi for a second. You remember Mr. Miyagi as the karate instructor whose wisdom proved invaluable to Danny LaRusso as he fought and defeated Johnny Lawrence in the All-Valley Karate Championship. We still love Mr. Miyagi today. I mean, who can ever forget this iconic phrase? And you guys can do it right now for me. Wax on, wax off. I think he was just doing that to wax his car, but he taught, he taught Danny how to block with the wax on and wax off. Now, they're fictional characters, these two characters, but we revere them and we love them in their heart because indeed they are wise. What they do help the characters that they, they assisted to do great things and to accomplish much. Indeed, we look at that and we say, yes, wisdom is good. But I think we also revere them and respect their wisdom because wisdom is also incredibly rare. I, I, I say this very strongly. There is a vacuum in our world right now for people with wisdom. We need people in this world we need people in our city that are wise because so often as I look at the news and as I see people act and behave, there's a lot of foolishness. There's a lot of simplicity. There's not a lot of wisdom. And I think we all are longing for wisdom. But sadly, what we encounter is simplicity. People doing what they want right then and right there. That which feels good in the moment, that's what they're going to do. And they give no thoughts. People give no thoughts to the ramifications of their actions down the road. People, simple people, are like lemmings that follow that which is right in front of them, often to their demise. Let me ask you a question. Are you simple or are you wise? Are you more like what we see in the world and the television or are you more like a Yoda or Mr. Miyagi? Look, you don't have to answer that question. Percentage-wise, and I don't have the percentage, it's likely we're far more simple than we are wise. But we have a vacuum of wisdom that is needed. We have an opportunity to fill that vacuum. And the way we can fill that vacuum is by taking the wisdom the Proverbs offers to us. 
wisdom, biblically speaking, if you wanna know what wisdom is and how to understand what wisdom is and how we as a people can be wise in the midst of a simple world, it's taking hold of the Proverbs that we have in scriptures, these pithy sayings and applying them to life. Yes, if we take hold of them and apply them, we will be wise and the world will rise up and call us blessed. But if we're gonna be wise, which I long and I hope for all of us to be, that we're not simple people, that we be wise, it is good for us to consider what wisdom is before we start to seek it. And so this morning, we're gonna look at the wisdom that we've looked at from the three separate passages. And these three passages are gonna help us understand wisdom and the wisdom that our world needs in three ways. We're gonna see that these passages define what wisdom is, help us to discover how we can get wisdom, and as well as help us to discern where it will take us. If we're gonna be considered wise, we have to take wisdom, but we have to understand wisdom if we're gonna take wisdom. So let's define it, let's discover it, and let's discern it. What, how, and where. So let's study what wisdom first is. Defining wisdom. Now, the opening, the first, ugh, the opening four verses of Proverbs provide us with a good definition of wisdom. I think it's as good as the one we can find. Consider those first four verses again. You can look at it with me. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing and righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge, and discretion to the youth. Solomon is looking at his sons, and most likely he's referring to all the men of Israel, and he's saying, there's 800 Proverbs in this book that I'm giving you. And this is how you are to understand these Proverbs. These Proverbs provide knowledge, understanding, and insight. They help you to know how to deal wisely in categories like righteousness, justice, and equity. They help the simple live well. They help to you to teach and guide the youth. Simply put, Solomon is saying the Proverbs in this book are wisdom. Wisdom is not this willy-nilly reality, a no, you know it when you see it kind of thing. No, wisdom has dimensions and character. And I'm gonna give you a, the, the definition that I think summarizes all that was just said, and I'm gonna say it a couple times, but here is how you define wisdom. What is it? Wisdom, according to Solomon, is the skillful application of knowledge, insight, and understanding for the benefit of others. I'm gonna say this again. Wisdom is the skillful application of knowledge, insight, and understanding for the benefit of others. Look, wisdom is not simply knowledge, insight, or understanding. I mean, those who possess great encyclopedic knowledge can still be considered fools. The wise are those who take the knowledge and understanding that they have and skillfully apply it to the life that they encounter. Recall that Solomon says that the Proverbs are intended to help us know how to deal wisely in three categories, righteousness, justice, and equity. I, I, I'm not a lawyer, but, but I, I know that it takes a lot of wisdom to parse through justice matters. It is not easy. It takes wisdom and skill. And this is what Solomon says that the Proverbs provide. It knows how to deal wisely. So there's a skill involved with this. Moreover, wisdom is intended not for the sake of the person, but for those around you. 
Consider that he says that, that it helps you give um, uh, it helps you uh, give prudence to the simple. This is just a simple way of saying it helps uh, the, the simple live their life well. So here's these proverbs so that you can teach simple people how to live well. And also these proverbs are for you to teach your children. The proverbs aren't for, for you and your primary benefit. Wisdom is for the sake of others. You might know this story in 1 Kings when Solomon, shortly after um, he prays for wisdom from the Lord, the Lord grants him to it. And do you know the first story that, that, that the 1 Kings comes to to display his wisdom? If you don't remember, I'll tell you. Two prostitutes come to him fighting over a baby. One of the women had slept on her baby and killed the baby as a result. And she responded to this hor horrific tragedy by stealing another woman's baby. And a great debate raged between these two women as to whose baby was the baby that was alive. And so they came to Solomon. And Solomon listened to it all. And do you remember what he did? He says, give me a sword. And so he took a sword and he says, I'm gonna cut this baby in half. And the woman whose baby was really the, baby, the, the baby's mother, do you remember what she says? Give that baby to that woman. Because that baby needs to live, not die. And what did Solomon know in that moment? He knew who the mother was. And he says, actually, you take the baby because it clearly to me, you are the mother. You see, Solomon, right then and there, used skillful application of knowledge, understanding, and insight for who? The benefit of others. It's a beautiful story, a Bible story that illustrates what Solomon demonstrates to us in Proverbs, that Proverbs give us wisdom, and wisdom is the skillful application of knowledge, insight, and understanding for the benefit of others. Have you skillfully applied what you know and understand to every aspect of your life? Have you? That's wisdom. Or do you feel like you can take an account of your life and say, yes, I'm wise? Or like many, do you say, I feel stupid. I'm not very smart and I don't know how to live. I think many of us need to come to the reality that we're not wise before we can get wise. And that's where we're gonna go now. So we've defined what wisdom is. Now let's discover how wisdom comes. Solomon provides us to the answer to this question in verse seven of chapter one. And I'm gonna include chapter nine, verse 10 in this as well. You don't have to worry about this as well as the first few verses of Proverbs two. He gives us how wisdom comes. In verse seven of chapter one, he says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, you don't have this in your paper, but chapter 9, verse 10, he makes a similar statement saying, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So it's clear that Solomon tells us that wisdom comes and wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. But what is the fear of the Lord? We can learn a little bit about this from chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. He says this. Listen to this, and you can see the connections. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then what? You will understand the fear of the Lord 
and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth. Come knowledge and understanding. Do you want to be wise? Do you want to gain wisdom? Fear the Lord, Solomon says. And fearing the Lord is understood when we seek wisdom. I'm going to give this in plain language. What he's saying is this. We have to admit we are not God. God is God and I am not. And in light of that reality, in light of that reality, we have to submit to his ways because he is God and we are not. And I'm going to say it even more simply. I'm going to say this. How do we get wisdom? We get wisdom through humility. And I think Solomon gives us probably the best definition of humility in, in, in explaining these things. And it's, it's a two-part definition. Humility, fearing the Lord, is an accurate view of yourself and trusting yourself to God and others. Humility is an accurate view of yourself as well as an entrusting of yourself to God and others. Humility is an accurate view of yourself. How is this the case? Well, we didn't create the world. Lest you forgot, you were once a baby that needed caring for. You are not God. The world has existed before you. And when we get outside of our lanes and thinking that somehow we are God, <laughs> we are quite foolish, aren't we not? Because of this, we fear the Lord, for he is the one who created us. We walk reverently under, under him. And this is good, because we aren't God. You aren't God. You are dependent on God. You are dependent on so many things. You are not God, and this is an accurate view of yourself. This is why in Proverbs 9, 10, Solomon says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So if we are to be wise, we first have to admit what we are not. We are not God. That God is God. And if you've ever acknowledged this, then you, if, if you've never acknowledged this, if you've never like said, woe is me, you can never be wise because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is an accurate view of who you are. But there's a second side to the same coin, and that is we have to trust ourselves with God. And this is exactly, exactly what Solomon does in the first few verses of chapter two, is it not? He pleads with his sons and us to do what? To receive his words and then to treasure them making our ears attentive to wisdom. Yes, call out for insight. Raise your voice for understanding. Trust those words, and then what? You will find the fear of the Lord. You will understand that God is God, and that his word is what directs your steps. And it is his words which helps us to be wise. You see, humility, trusting the Lord, is a fear of the Lord. This week, Nick Neighbors told me a fascinating story about one of the best wrestlers of all time named Jordan Burroughs. Burroughs won the 2012 Olympic gold medal in freestyle wrestling in his weight class, and he is the current world champion uh, as well as five-time world champion in his weight class. And he has a secret power, Nick, Nick told me. He's humble. According to Nick, Burroughs understands that he has a weak move called step-over toehold face lock, 
That's a real wrestling move, but I couldn't remember the one Nick told me, so I looked one up and found it. We're gonna go with that, okay? A step over, toe hold, face lock. He's terrible at that move. And one day, Burroughs was at the U.S. Wrestling Federation training ground, and he observed an 18-year-old boy who had just graduated from high school performing this step over, toe hold, face lock to perfection. And Burroughs, astounded at this, decides, you know what? I'm gonna approach this kid. And one of the greatest wrestlers of all time comes basically with a notepad to an 18-year-old boy and says, I see you're doing this step over, toe hold, face lock. And I want you to teach me how you do it. He humbled himself. He had an accurate view of himself. He saw that, hey, I don't know how to do this move well. And I'm gonna entrust myself to this 18-year-old kid who can. Is it any wonder that Jordan Burroughs is one of the greatest wrestlers of all time? Why? Because he's wise. And he's wise because he's humble. If you want to be wise, you got to be humble. And humility is an accurate view of yourself. And then it's an entrusting of that self to those who are in charge. God's in charge. You want to be wise? Fear the Lord. He is God. And his ways are right and good. I want us to be wise, and I want to be wise, and, and indeed, I hope that I am humble. But I want to compel you to embrace humility. And the way that I want to compel you to embrace humility is to consider where wisdom actually takes us. Because if we get wisdom through humility, where is that going to lead us? Where? So let's discern where wisdom leads us. For that, let's look at chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Let me remind you that Solomon said, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. I want you to see that these words motivate us, it should motivate us to seek wisdom through humility all the more. Because there's three things that I see from these just few verses that wisdom brings. First, it brings flourishing. How many of you are floundering and longing to flourish? So many of us like walk around tired all the time and just getting through the day. Wouldn't it be nice to flourish through the day? That's what wisdom brings. Solomon says, those who are wise are called blessed. They are richer than those who have silver and gold and jewels. Their lives will be pleasant. They will be wealthy and honorable people. They will be peaceful. This is flourishing. This is the result of being wise. What a beautiful life the wise have. Should not we compel ourselves like, yes, this is what I want. I want wisdom. But that's just the first thing that wisdom brings. Secondly, wisdom leads to eternal life. Solomon says in verse 18 that those who lay hold of wisdom will find that wisdom will be a tree of life. 
If you've read the Bible before, you know that the tree of life is in the very beginning of the Bible. It was one of two trees that was found in the Garden of Eden. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the tree that Adam and Eve ate, that they were forbidden to. But then there was the tree of life, that if Adam and Eve ate of it, what would happen? They would live forever. Do you remember what God said when Adam sinned in the garden? He says, we've got to remove them from the garden so that they can't eat of the tree of life and live eternally. But look at what Solomon is doing in this. Wisdom will be a tree of life to those who take hold of it. There's an eternal reality for those who humble themselves and take and entrust the words of Solomon and of our God that will bring about an eternal reality for us. It's true. But this also leads us to one final place. Not only to a life of flourishing and a life of flourishing forever, it leads us to the one who brings that flourishing. It leads us to the one who brings us to the tree of life. And yes, I am referring to Jesus. You know, the tree of life is not only in Genesis. The tree of life is at the end of Scripture. Revelation 22 recounts the Apostle John's vision of heaven, and it says this, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street. On each side of the river stood, guess what? The tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. How in the world do we get there? How in the world do we get to the tree of life? Through Jesus. You see, we are simple people. Foolish, in fact. We, we didn't choose the tree of life in the garden. We chose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because why? We thought, oh, maybe we could be like God. Huh? Yeah. And in longing to be like God, we were removed. We're removed from the very place that would give us life. Thinking that we could be like God actually was our greatest downfall. That's sin. And it's sin that separates us from heaven. But Jesus came to bear his sin on a tree and to make payment for that tree so that we might have access to that tree once again. Yes, what wisdom ultimately leads us to is not just a flourishing and a flourishing eternally. It leads us right to the feet of Jesus. And we say, without you, what is, I, I can't. I, I can't be wise. I need you. So wisdom takes us to the feet of Jesus. You remember what, uh, I mean, it's, it's just true. Remember what chapter nine, verse 10 says. Chapter nine, verse 10 says this. The fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is insight. We know our Lord. We know that he is gracious and merciful and by his grace, he allows us to the tree of life. That's the way it is. So you want wisdom? What a compelling view uh, that this gives us. 
A year after I graduated from seminary, I was in need of some counsel and a place to discuss what I was going through with someone that wasn't my wife or someone in the church. I guess you could say I was floundering. So I consulted with my wife, who has a degree in mental health counseling, and she recommended that I see a man named Roger. Some of you know Roger. I spent time with Roger. Roger's office was directly in front of my house, and all I had to do to get to Roger's office was to jump a fence. How convenient, I thought. So then I did this for a year and a half until we moved here to Arkansas, jumping over this fence twice a month to sit at the feet of Roger. While there, you can imagine I did what most people do in counseling. I expressed my feelings, unpacking the baggage of that day for him. I was honest and I was humble before him. And, and truly, this was helpful and healthy. And yes, I was grateful for his willingness to listen to me. But this isn't why I kept returning to Roger every two weeks. No, I kept returning to Roger because I wanted him to continue to speak wisely into my life. Yes, I had a Yoda in my life. And I wanted, like Luke Skywalker, to come back to his feet and learn from him. I mean, every time I would unload stuff to him, he would be incredibly gracious and loving, but then he would speak words that I would be like, how did you, what? I, I, I'd come home so often, and I would say to Kimberly, got another Roger Zinger today, and we would just sit there spellbound by how wise he was. Roger wisely served me. He used the skillful application of his knowledge for my benefit. And he's done it now for you. You see, it was Roger's wisdom that helped me understand what love is. You've heard me say love is a process of meeting needs, right? That's a Roger statement. That's not mine. Our, our mission statement, be loved and loved. You think that comes from me? <laughs> That's a Roger statement. He was so wise, and he did it for my benefit. And in the midst of my floundering, I began to flourish. I, I, I look back at my time with Roger, and I say to myself, wow, life was a lot harder without him. Wisdom helps you to flourish, and it gives eternal life, and it leads me to Jesus. And that's what Roger did. My friends, we have the opportunities to be Yodas, to be Mr. Miyagi's, and to be Rogers for this world. Do you know that? You don't have to be the brain bowl captain of your, team, your quiz bowl team to be wise. You don't. No, you just need to learn how to skillfully apply what you know for the benefit of others. And the way we get this is to humble ourselves, to fear the Lord, to have an accurate view of who we are, and to trust ourselves to his word, to sit at his feet and trust those words. Will you fill the vacuum that this world desperately needs by humbling yourself? I pray that you do, and I pray the same for me. Let's pray. Our gracious Lord, we do acknowledge that this world is full of simple people, and we oftentimes are those simple people. But your word has given us a picture of a different way of living, of living wisely. And your word reminds us that to get this wisdom, we have to humble ourselves. Some of us have been humbled, and we are gracious for that. And there are others in here that haven't.
They, they continued to, to hold to their way of life, to their own way of doing things, pridefully just saying, I am God. So for those in this category, I just pray that they, you would give, grant them humility because wisdom comes from you. And this starts with humility. So spirit, work in their lives. For those of us that have gone astray from wisdom, bring us back as well, that we might be wise, that we might care for those around us, and we might be a blessing to them. Amen.